Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast. This time looking at Mid-South Wrestling Television from November 20th, 1982, taped on November 10th, 1982 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club, the second part of a two-hour TV taping. I am the great Brian Last, and it's my pleasure to be with you once again, and of course, joining me like he does each and every week, you know him, you love him, from booking the territory, Mike Mills. And Mike, we have another interesting week of Mid-South Wrestling here. Yeah, we got, you know, we've had a lot go on in the last couple weeks. Would you, is that a safe assumption, Brian? just want to ask that. I know I'm being kind of sarcastic. (laughs) We've had a few really packed shows to the point where this episode kind of feels like a little bit of a step down. And I'm not saying that necessarily in a bad way. You kind of can't keep everything firing like that all the time. That's the way you burn people out, although it is great stuff. But this definitely does seem like a transitional episode in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it goes back to a point I've, I've talked about a few times on various shows I'm on. I always believe when it comes down to wrestling back then... You can't constantly be at the top of the roller coaster or you're hot shotting. So there are times when you peak and I'm going to say we probably peaked pretty good when we, you know, had Stagger Lee and dog went home and all that good stuff over the last few weeks. But then you kind of start coming down and then you, and then you're, 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 you're speeding down, but as you're going back up that hill, you got the momentum carrying you and eventually you're going to get back to the top of the roller coaster. But you can't constantly stay at the top or you're just hot shotting things. So I feel like this episode is definitely one of those moments where we're kind of at the bottom of the roller coaster and we're, you know, we're, we're we got our speed going and we're going to get back to the top. But we got to take a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a hiatus or a break, but we slow things down a little bit on this week's show. Well, Bill Watts is certainly feeling it. It's the most dressed down we've seen him as the host of Mid-South Wrestling. His sleeves are rolled up. His shirt is unbuttoned a little bit further than usual. No blazer, no jacket. Boyd Pierce wearing a, what would you call this? A black and red floral design jacket. Is that, would that be a fair and accurate description? That is definitely a fair and accurate description. And in my notes, I literally have Boyd has returned to having somewhat outlandish suits on. Because if you remember the last few weeks, maybe even month or so, I want to say we've talked about how um, he's been rather conservative in his in his in his suits and whatnot you know blue blazer or a black one definitely nothing like what he's got on today but he's definitely returned to more of his outlandish flavors here he's in his classic boyd outfit and let's hear what boyd and the cowboy have to say to open up this episode i'm your host boyd pierce and lots of exciting action Tag team match sees Colonel Buck Roby join forces with Mr. Racing 2. Also, Mr. USA, the muscular Tony Atlas is here. S. Lee will wrestle on this week's card. Also, the half-line popper Chavo Guerrero will be in action. Right now, our guest commentator of the week, Bill Watts, it looks like a great one. Well, boy, Pierce, it's been exciting, and I'll tell you, I wouldn't miss him for all the world. And let's just go to the ring and get to the action, because that wrestling 2 and Colonel Buck Roby are there waiting. And Mike, I think that may be the quickest intro we've had on Mid-South Wrestling. It's certainly the quickest we got to the ring for a match. I, I think, I mean, it was like 25 seconds. So I'm going to say, yes, you are correct. And one other point, you are right. I, I started to think with Bill Watts, you know, you talk about how dressed down he is. I'm like, man, it must be hot in Irish McNeil today. And then I'm like, eh, it's end of November. Yeah. I know it's the South, but I got to be honest, man. By the time you get to the end of November, 
Yeah, you might have some 70-degree days, maybe maybe an 80-degree day every now and then. But I don't know, man. Uh, he's dressed out like it's the peak of summer when it was 110 degrees in the Irish McNeil and, and uh, today. But he's definitely dressed down, man. Bill's... He's got a look in this intro of being very tired. Uh, would you say so? Oh, yes. I think that's a very, very fair assessment. Mike, in general, in Louisiana, let's say from October until March, what is the heat usually like and what is the humidity usually like and what are the winters usually like? It is the South, but give the fans like me in the North an idea of what the weather would be like in Louisiana. So uh, in northern Louisiana, you, you get you you probably have a lot more cold spells, like in Shreveport. Um, it's probably weather similar to somewhat like mm, the Dallas area. Uh, you you it it gets. I don't want to say it's frozen. Like we don't we don't get they wouldn't get snow like you would get up in the northeast or up obviously in the north. But uh, temperatures generally, while you have some cold fronts come through and it gets into the lower 30s, maybe upper 20s, um, it's generally pretty mild. I mean, you know, you're talking probably uh, 50s most of the most of the winter, 60s at that with for highs a lot of times. I mean, same way. And in South Louisiana, it's even it's even you know warmer. You've got I mean, I saw snow once pretty much in my life as a kid, and that was 1989, and we had a, a good good bit of snow come through in, in New Orleans, and temperature got into the teens, which was very, very unusual. But, I mean, to be honest, Brian, I could walk around in the summertime in New Orleans with shorts most of the time and be pretty damn comfortable, except for days when you get a cold front come through, temperature drops into the 30s for a few days or so, and then you're right back up into the, to the 50s. So it's a very, very mild type of weather down south and i mean not very not not too bad as far as humidity summertime oh my god it's just sweltering man there's no other way to put it the humidity is ridiculous in the summer it just smothers you uh if you want to get in great shape go run around in new orleans during the summertime and uh by by the end of a month or so you're gonna be you're gonna be uh fit and trim uh the way you'll be sweating and pouring buckets of uh sweat out of your pores but overall very very mild winters especially in south louisiana very mild well, Mike, from the show open, we get our first match, a tag team match. Mr. Wrestling 2 teaming up once again with Colonel Buck Robley against the Grappler and Kelly Kaniski with Jerry Usher as the referee. Let's hear a little bit on commentary from the Cowboy about Mr. Wrestling 2's mask. You may remember last week on the show, it was showing signs of being discolored because of some sort of activity that had happened. Let's hear a little bit more about that and a mysterious note. This should be a great match. And, you know, Wrestling 2 was uh, a little upset. I saw him talking to Reese Bowden before the matches because of that uh, mask incident last week where somebody had really uh, discolored and, and ruined one of his masks, and he said he claimed he got a hate note or, or a threat. And uh, I think Reese Bowden right after this bout is going to be talking to him about it. Wrestling 2, when he comes in the ring, all the fans in the arena go, two, 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 because this man is had the respect and the admiration of wrestling fans all over the nation for some time. I wrestled him when I was the Georgia heavyweight champion, and I'll guarantee you the first time he put a knee lift, he put my teeth through my lip. He's a rough, rugged guy, asks no quarter and gives none. And there's another individual that's rough and rugged, Colonel Buck Robley. Well, let's stop it there, Mike. Of course, we did see it last week. Mr. Wrestling 2 had a mask. It had some green and blue marks on it. And now that story's being continued here because there's also a hate note, apparently. Yeah, I like this, actually, because, um, you know, we talked earlier a few seconds ago about 
kind of being a, I think you called it a transition episode and I called it, you know, you're, you're kind of at the bottom of the roller coaster and you're just, uh, you're just kind of, I want to say buying time, but you, you've come down off of some really, really hot TV. And what Watts is doing here is he's continuing to build the mystery of what's going on with wrestling two and the discoloration of the mask. And now he introduces the hate note. And I just think it's another, it's just him taking the time during this slower episode to build the mystery of another storyline that's developing in the territory. It's also a pretty good match, pretty good back and forth match. Now I have to say the baby faces really dominate the grappler and Kelly Kaniski, but a good television match though. What do you think, Mike? Oh, I agree. Um, I thought there was a, there was a sequence in there where grappler and wrestling two were, were really getting after it early on, man. And their, their, their punches look fantastic. And, Obviously, Lynn Denton is the is the grappler. His bumps were just tremendous during that during that sequence. At one point, wrestling two got the best of him, and he he takes that freaking bump. Like I don't know, man. He he bumps so good. He sells so good with that. It's it's incredible. So yeah, they, these guys went after it, man. This was this was a you know this isn't something that you'd look at on paper and say, oh my god, that would be a really good match. But you know this is this is the epitome of mid south right here. You know, four guys kind of beating the heck out of each other. Couple of high spots in there, punching, kicking, laying it in. Good stuff. Well, coming out of that match, we get a few minutes, or at least a minute, with Reese Bowden interviewing Mr. Wrestling 2. Bill Watts said on commentary that before the match, he saw Reese and Wrestling 2 talking about this incident with his mask. Let's now hear what Mr. Wrestling 2 has to say about what's going on. I'm moving in to talk to him right now. Mr. Wrestling 2, would you come over here a moment, please? Just before you came into the ring, I was handed this mask that you wore last week, which obviously is rather badly defaced, and I was handed a note here that says, two, this is just the beginning. I'm sure that the fans would be very interested to know what this all means. Well, some clown evidently is trying to destroy Mr. Wrestling, too. You know, I don't don't harm anybody. I don't get in anyone's way. I mind my own business. I'm extremely a quiet individual. But this... It's the beginning of something. I don't really know what it is. But I issue a warning to whoever it may be. If when I find out who you are, sir, it'll be detail for you. That's a promise. I don't stand and beat my gums for nothing. I'm a quiet man. But this is beyond what it's beyond whatever it may be. And when I find out who the individual is, you will pay and pay dearly. And you know, when Mr. Weston 2 says something, he means it. We'll be back with more action right after this word from Mid-South Television Network. Great fired up interview by Mr. Wrestling 2 there, Mike. We don't know what's going on. He doesn't know what's going on. So obviously he's a bit upset. It's it's everything you want, I guess, in the storytelling of a pro wrestling angle. You know, we last week we introduced the, the discoloration in his mask and you know, the first thing you think, because you see it as a viewer, is like, what the heck is up with his mask? Why is there, you know, green paint or whatever that's on it? And then, you know, Watts talks about it early on in the match and what may be going on. And, you know, there's a no hate note that's been left. And then we see the hate note. Great little visual right there. I don't you couldn't tell if it was painted or a marker or whatnot on that <laughs> note. But, you know, like a, you see like it. a little kid did it, to be quite honest with you. Right. But, you know, psych- psychopathic people do crazy stuff like that, you know? So it's like, you see this note that Reeser's holding, and, you know, i got to say something about Reeser. He never smirked. I don't think he smirked and laughed and made any kind of 
you know, weird little giggle throughout that whole interview, which is really unique on his part. So, hell, if Reeser can take this thing serious, I think we should, too. But he, you know, he, he's addressing this note, and I like it. It's just we're introducing this new thing and new mystery after we just came off of this whole thing with Stagger Lee. And I know the Stagger Lee thing is still going on, but something new. We got to stay tuned because we got to find out where this goes. And that's that's what we got here. And that's what you want in wrestling. I, hey, I got to keep the mystery alive. So you keep tuning in. And that's what they did right there. It seems like Reeser smirks less with the guys that he's known for a longer period of time. He's obviously been around wrestling, too, for a long time, who's been in and out of Mid-South wrestling in the past. And also, he's doing this fired up promo. I dare Reeser to start laughing or smiling there. It would not have ended well. But he did his job well, shot the commercial break. And again, great fired up promo by Mr. Wrestling 2. Makes you wonder what's going to happen next with Wrestling 2 and this story. Speaking of stories, and actually we should probably give the uh, finish of the match there, Mr. Wrestling 2 pins Kelly Kaniski with the million-dollar knee lift, and from there we get a recap of the Hacksaw Duggan-Tony Atlas confrontation and push-up contest from, was it last week or two weeks ago? Was it last week? Two, I think it was two weeks ago. Two weeks ago on the show, and coming out of that we get a new Tony Atlas match, Tony Atlas versus Marty Lundy, the future Arn Anderson, once again in his wrestling singlet with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Mike, let's hear a little bit of audio during this match. The Cowboy talking a little bit about how hard Tony Atlas works, as well as Merlin Olsen. Let's go to this audio right now. Well, Tony's a powerful specimen, and he's a real straightforward kid. He just, he loves wrestling. He loves competition. He loves physical exertion, and uh, he goes out there to give it 100%, and he'd rather come out there and, be, and, and, and wrestle fair and square and, and do it by skill and technique and strength and conditioning. And let me tell you, he came up the hard way. There was no free handout. There was no gift. Uh, he had to learn it all the hard way, and he's no stranger to strife and fighting and scuffling, and he certainly will get it right on. Marty Lundy, a big, powerful youngster, is going to have to learn the same things the same way. And what an awesome man to have to come up against, a man that can bench press in the neighborhood of 600 pounds. We watched him here last week in a strict, strict bench press do 550 pounds. And I was telling you, whoa, and look at the movement. You see with the power and the strength, that you've still got to add one important ingredient, agility. And there Tony Atlas just shows what makes him a superstar. You know, that each one of these guys that are true superstars internationally, you look at them and you watch them, and you'll see that they have that something extra. And it all starts, of course, in the heart. I was reading an article the other day about Merlin Olson. It's in the ninth grade. His football coach told him to go home, that he wouldn't be taking up space and let somebody that was had ability and could possibly become a football player take his place on the team. That was when Merlin Olson was in the ninth grade. He went on to become a 15-year All-Pro, Hall of Famer, and now a television and movie star. So it all had to be within his heart because in the ninth grade they sure didn't recognize that tremendous ability and desire in that man. I guess they should go out and... Uh, Lynch that coach for calling himself a coach because coaches are supposed to recognize that ability and they're supposed to motivate these youngsters. Well, there it is. Mike, Bill wants a little bit about everything that Tony Atlas has overcome to get to this point in his career and also everything that Merlin Olsen had to overcome to become a Hall of Famer and an actor. What are your thoughts on all this? 
I mean, as a football fan, I, I knew who Merlin Olsen was, not because I, I watched him play, because I think he I think he retired the year I was born. So I remember Merlin Olsen as the as the commentator. I believe it was on NBC back then as uh, for football on Sundays. And and I mean, I figured out in the end he was trying to tie in Merlin Olsen working hard and also not being given anything. I, I just don't know, you know, if we're going to criticize Watts because, I mean, he's not free of criticism here. I don't know how Merlin Olsen compares to to Tony Atlas as far as overcoming and achieving. Um, and it's not a – I'm not trying to say that from a black and white standpoint or a race thing. I'm just – I just don't see the tie-in between the two. But, you know, that was just Watts trying to tell a story right there. And there's maybe something else he knows that we don't know. Uh, but – you know, I like Merlin. I'll tell you this much. I loved Merlin Olsen as a, as a commentator. I think he did games with uh, Dick Enberg, and, and they were – I thought they were a good team, if I'm if I'm getting it correct. I was a young kid, but um, I don't see the tie-in between the two uh, right here. But, you know, that's Watts. I'm sure uh, he was a big Merlin Olsen fan as well because he would have watched them, and Watts is a football player. So uh, he may have known him. Who knows? Tony Atlas wins this match with a body press into a slam. And from there, we get our next match, Mike. The Louisiana State champion, Hacksaw Duggan, in a non-title match against Ted Allen, Jerry Usher, as the referee. A few notes here. One, I noted that the crowd was really quiet for portions of this match. And really, overall on this show, it seems like Watts wasn't the only one tired. The crowd may be a little burned out, too. What do you think? I think it goes back to what we talked about. I really believe... They have seen you think about these last few weeks. They have seen some really heavy stuff with the dog losing and then Stagger Lee and this whole thing with the Rat Pack. And think about the interviews that have happened in front of them with the Rat Pack and the celebrating and whatnot. You you're at you come off that peak and that high of highs. Eventually, you're going to hit a low. And this is in this episode, that is what's happening. This crowd, you can if you watch this match and it's not that Duggan's not laying it into Ted Allen right here. I mean, it, it, he's he's as physical as he'll ever be. It's just we've seen a ton of great stuff over the last few tapings. We can, you know, it's just not as exciting as the stuff we've seen. You know, it's that whole thing. They're taking a breath. That's all this is. And, they, you know, they, they're basically all acting like Hank during this episode, which. Hank just sits there most of the time. That's what the rest of the crowd's doing. So they're, they're maybe they're just trying to be like Hank, Brian, who is sitting to the left side again. He is sitting there again. I was going to bring it up, and maybe that is it. Maybe it's a imitate Hank day at the Irish McNeil Boys Club. But a couple of notes from this match from Bill Watts. This is going to be a short one, but, you know, Mike, we get such amazing feedback about this show everywhere on social media. Of course, the reviews on iTunes everywhere. And at least twice or three times a week, we still hear from people who say, why does Watts keep calling him Dugan? It's Duggan. I mean, still, it's it's one of the funniest things that people are so <laughs> obsessed with this. Well, Bill Watts has some very short thoughts about this here at the beginning of the match. Let's hear this. Hacksaw Duggan, and that's with two G's, as if anybody that makes a mistake and doesn't pronounce it right, he'll certainly tell you he's an outspoken, loud man. But, you know, he's one of those individuals that can back it up. Well, there you hear it, Mike. Duggan with two G's, and he'll let you know it when you mess it up. So Bill Watts must be hearing it all the time, I can assume. Because <laughs> all he says is Duggan. And, I, you know, I got what's funny is, man, is 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 Watts trying to, like, 
rib and actually communicate to the fans right there as he says that it's Duggan with two G's so that the fans, because he's a heel, will call Duggan Dugan like they've been doing in the Irish McNeil whenever they're chanting Dugan, Dugan, Dugan. And they're looking over and and, and Duggan, Duggan looks at him and he's mad. Maybe that's what it was. But yes, uh, Watts did say his name correctly right there. But, you know, the, the, with the whole name thing, he does the same thing with DiBiase, though. It's like even when DiBiase was a babyface, he would call him DiBiase sometimes. He'd say DiBiase instead of DiBiase. So I, I, who knows what Watts was thinking? I tell you what, when Duggan hit Ted Allen with that spear at the end of that match, it oh, really man. like that was maybe the best spear he has hit in Mid South Wrestling. I mean, give credit to Ted Allen who sold it fantastically, but that was one of the best spears. What do you think? Well, you know what it was when 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 he whips Duggan off and Duggan comes out that corner. Ted Allen is already off his feet when Duggan hits him. So just the slightest amount of contact because his feet aren't, you know, making contact with the ground, Ted Allen's feet. When Duggan hits him, he's he's ripe to go flying. And that's what it was. I think it's because his feet, he had already, like, took a small leap. And Duggan just hits him, and Ted Allen just, boom. Devastating-looking spear, to say the least. Well, that was the finish of the match. It was a spear, and then Duggan hits a knee drop on the fallen Ted Allen for the pin. But a little more audio from this match. Uh, a couple weeks back on the show, it was brought up on commentary that Duggan may have gotten this idea from something in Houston with Tully Blanchard and Gino Hernandez. We now get a little more information about what exactly that was here on commentary. Let's hear this right now. Infamous or devious schemes ever with DiBiase and Matt Bourne on JYD, forcing JYD to be absent from Mid-South for 90 days beginning on the 27th of October. JYD cannot wrestle the top, the superstar that has probably excited more fans in the nation than any other superstar, and certainly here in the Mid-South area. Voted king of wrestling in Houston. And Hacksaw Dugan is right in there, and from what I understand, he saw a situation with Mil Moscris against gorgeous Gino Hernandez in Houston, Texas, where Tully Blanchard, had disguised himself in the crowd in a wig and a letter jacket and a and a baseball hat and came in and with a foreign object took the measure of Mil Moscris, the international superstar from Mexico, and uh, with kind of a Trojan horse ploy. And Hacksaw Dugan certainly made a fool of me and Paul Bosch and Boyd Pierce and Charlie Lay, Grizzly Smith, and everybody associated with Mid-South as he duped us that night of the state fair here in Louisiana at the Irishman Neil Boys Club when he and DiBiase flew in Matt Bourne. And the result is Matt Bourne and DiBiase are the Mid-South Tag Champions. And JYD is forced out. Oh, he went for a spear. And Allen got out from under him. And the big man may be slightly addled right now. And Allen quick to press the attack, showing that quickness and speed. And there Allen fires Dugan into it. But Dugan spared him anyway. That's what I mean about this man. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He just wants to hurt somebody. Well, there we hear it, Mike. Jim Duggan just wants to hurt somebody, and he certainly hurts Ted Allen here, like we said, that great spear. And a little bit of information, I guess, Tully Blanchard dressed in drag and attacked Mil Moscris on behalf of Gino Hernandez in Houston shortly before Jim Duggan did it here. Yeah, I mean, just real quick, good good on Watts for explaining that, because I... I mean, we we had no context. Uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, credit Watts there with the with the explanation. 
From there, we get our next match, Mike, and that is Kamala versus Joe Gaines with Rick Ferreira as the referee. Now, you said last time, you said that Joe Gaines more than likely was the fake Stagger Lee on Mid-South Wrestling, correct? I believe it's him. I You'd have to go back to the clip, look at you, because you can see his face partially when that mask comes off, or uh, not even partially. I mean, you could see his face, but I believe that Joe Gaines is dressed as the fake Stagger Lee in the previous episode. Yes, I do. Um, and it, just look not only at his face, look at his body, his posture. I'm almost certain it's Joe Gaines. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I believe it's Joe Gaines. Well, Mr. Gaines does not last too long against Kamala. We'll give you the finish right now. Kamala pins him after two splashes. The Gaines back, and then he rolls him over. It's interesting. The thing they used to do with Kamala where he didn't know how to pin the guy. Remember he used to like try to pin them when they were belly down? He doesn't do that yet. Yeah. He doesn't do that yet at this point in his career. It's, it's funny because he hits the splash with them belly down, though. But then he turns him over. Then he knows enough to turn him over and get the pin. <laughs> he would devolve later on. He would forget all these things that he had learned. <laughs> In Mid-South Wrestling, but I guess maybe that's, maybe that's the influence of Kim Chi after Friday left his services. But Bill Watts has some commentary here, Mike, on who exactly is in control of Kamala. Well, boy, he, he mesmerizes me. I, I'll tell you, he's huge. He's uh, 385, 400 pounds, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, who knows? And uh, again, technique-wise... Uh, is a total loss, and I've always thought that no matter how big you were, if you didn't have the technique that you could be measured and put on the on your back. But nobody's put him there yet, and he has beat some tremendous men, some powerful men. Iron Mike Sharp just said he was devastating, and look at him go after Joe Gaines. And we still don't know who's in control of Kamala, although because of him not being on the Superdome, uh, we understand that... Uh, there is some maneuvering behind the scenes and that the man that's pulling the strings in, on Kamala is going to surface in the very, very near future uh, because uh, Kamala, certainly uh, credential-wise and by the people he's beaten, he's a factor to definitely be dealt with. And look at him, just he just body handles people. Just, you know, it just, it's, it's almost macabre. It's almost like a throwback, like a nightmare, like you'd be... Uh, back in, 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 in Africa of, of the Carl Onstadt days, you know, or something like that back in, in, in the very primitive Africa. And you could almost imagine this man in a, in a boiling kettle and, and some poor missionary being sacrificed. It's, it's Kamala, the Ugandan giant. And he gains a victory over Joe Gaines. The sensational high-flying star Chavo Guerrero will be in the next match. We invite you to stay with us right after this word from Mid-South Wrestling. Well, there we go, Mike. Of course, he pins Joe Gaines, but you can picture him boiling missionaries as some sort of sacrifice. Is that the way you visualize Kamala? God, when he said that, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, man, what? <laughs> ah, that's how I laughed when I heard it. <laughs> like, what the hell did he say? <laughs> All right, real quick, Brian. <laughs> we can be serious. Do you think that? Uh, Joe Gaines is a fake staggerly. Look, the only options are really him and King Cobra, and I think it's much more likely that it's him than King Cobra based on like what you said, the body type. Well, in the if you look at the fake staggerly when the mask comes off, the guy's got a beard. He's got a beard, and King Cobra does not have a beard. So 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's him. I just I've watched it a number of times. And I'm like, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. So I'm almost 100 percent certain it is. But uh, you know, I wonder what Joe Gaines got. Uh, do you know much about Joe Gaines outside of this? I don't remember him. I don't remember much of him. That's why I'm asking. I don't. I don't know really anything about Joe Gaines. Yeah, that's why I was like, I'm wondering if he just came in for this one and. Because people say it all the time. Oh, you don't remember the the enhancement talent? I was like, man, honestly, man, I remember all the stars. But when it comes down to, you know, guys like Joe Gaines, if they were in like one time, two times, three times here and there, and you kind of never see him again, and that's the only territory you get. And it's one of those things where it's out of sight, out of mind. And I just don't remember anything else about him. I don't I don't remember him being in Mid-South. I, again, it's it's been a long time since I've watched these, but I could swear, man, he, he does that, the previous one and this one. And. And that's it. I don't I don't recall Joe Gaines much, but, you know, who knows? I may be wrong as we do this over the years and I'll be like, oh, there he is again. So anyway, uh, but yeah, I was just curious if you knew much about Joe Gaines. So uh, I'm pretty sure that's fixed aggregately, though. Well, we'll see what we can find out. I'm sure some listeners will get in touch with some information about Joe Gaines. And Mike, from there, our next match, Chavo Guerrero versus Tony Anthony, the unmasked grappler number two, has not worn the mask now for a few weeks with Jerry Usher as the referee. Let's hear a little bit of audio from Cowboy Bill Watts about Chavo Guerrero, who, of course, has just entered Mid-South Wrestling. These are both good athletes. And, of course, like I say, if you missed Chavo Guerrero last week or ever miss a chance to watch this man, treat yourself because he has got he is the classic wrestler with a lot of skills, a lot of, uh, of different style techniques. He can wrestle, he can. He has a scientific background, and also he can stand right in there and fight you. He's just a, a phenomenal athlete from a great parentage background. He's, he started wrestling at a very young age. He's wrestled all over the world. Truly an international star. Like I say, when you're talking about the international stars of Mexico, the ones recognized in all circles are Mil Mascaris and Chavo Guerrero. And we're very fortunate in having Chavo here, and Mil Mascaris will be coming here in the very near future. These men have been headlining in Houston, Texas. Promoter Paul Bosch and Peter Burkholz, very familiar. And, boy, you've been there. Uh, they excite people. They, they just uh, have a tremendous ability, tremendous movement and agility. You might say, what would a man like Chavo Guerrero 220, what chance would he have with a guy like uh, Hacksaw Dugan or Ted DiBiase at 270, Hacksaw 285? Well, let me tell you again. Chavo Guerrero let the whole wrestling world know that he was for real was when he beat 6'9", 320-pound Ernie Ladd some four years ago in Los Angeles. And that speaks louder than everything I could say. And, of course, that did, in fact, happen in Los Angeles for Michael Bell. Chavo beat Ernie Ladd several years earlier, and he was one of the biggest stars in Southern California throughout the mid and late 1970s, of course, an epic feud between the Guerrero family and Roddy Piper. Here he is in Mid-South Wrestling coming out of the Houston Wrestling Connection, and it's a good match. He looks really good in there. He's doing a lot of things we haven't seen before. He does another dive to the floor this week. Good stuff from Chavo, Mike. Yeah, you know, I had in my notes, like, Chavo, he's he literally is cat-like quick, especially for this era when you didn't have that... Uh, style or you didn't see that style a lot at least I didn't so you're like man this guy's agile and he's quick and he's he's just you know it, it was it was a different a different way of wrestling a different style that you saw from him the crowd they weren't into it but him and Tony Anthony they really had a good match I thought that 
it was just really good. You know, they 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 did some good stuff. You know, uh, Chavo he, he hit a dive over the top rope at one point, and I, you know, it was just really weird how the fans just kind of really really weren't into it. And maybe it was because again they've seen so much, and these guys didn't have any heat going into this match. It's kind of just a cold match. Two guys that go out there know how to work, but there's there's no personal issue. So maybe that's part of it because that's the big thing about you know Southern wrestling in general and Mid South in particular. There was always a personal issue. These guys didn't have a personal issue, but they had a really good match. The crowd didn't react much, but I thought they um I thought they worked hard and they looked good in there, both of them. You know, between Tony Anthony and Marty Lundy and Ted Allen and Tim Horner, this is the best crew of undercard guys of enhancement talent on TV that we've seen in Mid South from top to bottom. Like, I know it was good for a little while when you had Billy the Star Child star and stuff, but these four guys, Tony Anthony, Marty Lundy, Ted Allen, and Tim Horner, they know how to bump. They know how to move. I mean, they're really, really good putting these guys over on TV. They, they're they're really good. I mean, it, it you can't and it goes back to the old thing. Like you know, you see enhancement talent and guys who are out there to make other guys look good. Man, those guys play a really pivotal role in promotions. And in the the guys you mentioned right there, you're right. They are not only you know enhancement talent at this point for Mid South, but they're four of the you know there are a, there's a really good core of those guys right now with those four in the territory. It's, you know, and I mean, a lot of, and of course, Arn Anderson goes on to greatness and uh, Tony Anthony, in my opinion, is pff, one of the best wrestlers that people just don't realize. They don't know what they, they have in him. It's like, you know, he was really that good. I was to- talking to Tracy Smothers recently, Brian, and Tracy was talking about Tony and how good he was. And it was like, the only thing bad about Tony Anthony was he he literally never worked out. He was never in a gym or nothing. But when it came in the ring, I mean, even his body, he didn't have that great, I guess, physique. But he could go. He was a really good wrestler. And, you know, same with Tim Horner. He had a better body, but he, he could still go in the ring. Couldn't cut promos, but he could go in the ring. And you're right. These four guys during this time, just really good in the ring. And uh, you, you didn't have – you couldn't ask for a better crew of enhancement talent at this point. Chavo pins Tony Anthony with a belly-to-back suplex. I believe Bill Watts calls it a belly-to-belly suplex, but there is, in fact, a back that is used for this suplex. It's not a belly-to-belly. Coming out of that, Mike, we get Bill Watts throwing us to a recap of Stagger Lee versus Matt Bourne from last week. Let's hear him building into the recap, and then we'll hear him on the other side coming out of it. Well, boy, Ted DiBiase has been maintaining that S. Lee, or Stagger Lee, is none other than Junkyard Dog. And, of course, Mid-South is taking a neutral position because we don't know the identity of Mr. Wrestling 2. We don't know the identity of the grappler. We didn't know the identity of the man in the gorilla suit either. So in order for DiBiase to prove it, he has to unmask S. Lee. If he unmasks S. Lee and it is the Junkyard Dog then the junkyard dog is in violation of his contract and will be suspended from Mid-South. And last week, DiBiase and Matt Bourne decided they would unmask S. Lee. Let's join the final few seconds of that attempt, as they did unmask A. S. Lee. And we get a recap, Mike, of last week's match, Matt Bourne versus Stagger Lee, or S. Lee, as he's referred to here. This is where they ripped the mask off, and this is where you think it's Joe Gaines. I'm looking at it right now on my screen. That's definitely Joe Gaines. If it's not Joe Gaines, it's his twin brother. It, it, there's, there's no way that's not Joe Gaines. I can just tell from the belly, the face, the, the. You, I'm looking at it. That, that's, that's Joe Gaines. There's, there, there's no, it's nobody else. There's nobody else that looks close to him 
like that. And then people go, well, how could you not tell if it's him? It's not, you know, 1080i or whatever the high definition is 4K these days. But that's that's got to be Joe Gaines. There's, if it's somebody else, I'd be in utter shock. Of course, last week they rip off the mask on the fake Staggerly, and then the real Staggerly runs in to the applause of the fans, chasing away Ted DiBiase and Matt Bourne. And here's Bill Watts wrapping up that recap segment. Well, I'm sure DiBiase and Matt Bourne are more than frustrated. That doesn't change the issue. If they can unmask Staggerly and prove that it's a junkyard dog beyond any shadow of doubt, Mid-South's hands would be tied, and the ruling would have to come down to enforce a year's suspension. However, they only have 90 days to do that from its original contractual stipulation that dog would leave Mid-South for 90 days starting on the 27th of October. So they only got a few more days or month, a little over a month remaining in order to get this unmasking done and proved. But we'll go to the ring right now and whatever, we're going to enjoy it because we're going to see Stagger Lee. And we do get a Stagger Lee match from there, Mike. We get Stagger Lee versus Vladik Smirnov. And I don't really have too many notes here. It's a pretty quick match. Staggerly wins with a loaded headbutt drop. Vladik Smirnov's on the mat. He loads the mask, drops with a headbutt, and pins him from there. Did you have any notes on this match? The only thing I have is to say this is definitely the real Staggerly and not the Joe Gaines version of Staggerly. And this is the dog under the mask. I don't have anything from it. Um, thank God this was quick. Well, coming out of that, we get a non-title tag team title match. The tag team champions, Ted DiBiase, who's also the North American champion, with Matt Bourne against Tim Horner and King Cobra with Jerry Usher as the referee. During this match, Watts talks about the National Wrestling Championship coming to the Myriad, which is where he runs his shows, as well as Mid-South Wrestling being the number one show in its time period in New Orleans, which is pretty remarkable, not just for a wrestling show, but a wrestling show on an independent network in New Orleans, the number one show in its time slot. And then he also talks a little bit about Staggerly, as well as the off-the-top rope rule, because, of course, Matt Bourne does Bombs Away, the whoopee cushion later on in the World Wrestling Federation, where he comes off the top rope. That is illegal in Mid-South Wrestling. Let's hear this now from the Cowboy. A great match, a lot of speed. Mid-South Tag Team Champions. DiBiase and Matt Bourne. Lots of things going on. Well, Stagger Lee didn't waste any time and just annihilating Vladik Smirnoff. DiBiase out there and young Tim Horner, who's a real burner. He can flat move. He's got the big man from West Texas State who are a little bit upset. Of course, DiBiase, I think, is upset about the whole Stagger Lee situation. It's uh, interesting to me how injured he can be when somebody is trying to perpetrate on him almost an identical situation that he's perpetrated on them. He's even complained about Staggerly using a foreign object in the mask. And, of course, as if, oh, Jerry Usher caught Matt Bourne. That's illegal in Mid-South. You can't come off the top turnbuckle. You can't leap on your opponent from the top turnbuckle. Usher right on the ball. He stopped Matt Bourne. Only time Matt's legal's in a no-disqualification match as Matt Bourne used a few weeks ago to wipe out Mr. Olympia to help DiBiase and he get Olympia out of the way and eventually with the help of Dugan in the gorilla suit to get the junkyard dog. We'll have Mr. Olympia back here on Mid-South Wrestling next week. Whoa, Chula! King Cobra shows the Boogie. 
knock it on. This is one ball of television time remaining, and these youngsters are really got the crowd behind them. That's great when you see them giving two arrogant, rough individuals that are, have all the honors, the Mid-South Tag Team Champions. Get them out of their game plan. Well, Mike, this is a good match. This is a good TV match. The fans get into it. King Cobra always seems to be able to get the fans behind him, and he throws some really good drop kicks here. Yeah, we've we've said it a bunch of times about him when it comes to King Cobra. It's not someone, when you think about Mid-South Wrestling, he's not the first name, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. You can go further on down the line. He's not a name you think of. But, man, when he does these tapings, he the fans love him. They, I mean, they're not erupting like for the dog, but you know, they, they're into what he does. He's throwing some drop kicks. You know, give DiBiase and Bourne with those drop kicks credit. You know, Cobra's he, he he's barely grazing them, but they're selling it and they're they're flying backwards on those bumps. Both him and Tim Horner really looked good here. They had a really good match with Bourne and DiBiase. They worked hard. The, this is probably the most the fans have been into. A, a, a long match and on this you know on this particular episode this was this was good man four guys out here once again working hard and the fans appreciating it uh and you know you think about this dba it's not a terribly long match but you know these guys are the champs dibiase and born and cobra and tim horner in a short time span gave them everything they they would want in a match i mean they 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 put up a nice fight so i thought this was a really good match between uh between these teams so excellent stuff right here a good match. Tim Horner pinned after a Matt Bourne power slam. And from there, we get the closing of the show. Here's Cowboy Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce wrapping things up. And Boyd, another great day with Mid-South Wrestling. And we'll see next week Mr. Olympia returning. Gorgeous Gino Hernandez. Uh, Hiro Matsuda and Yasu, Yoshi Yatsu from Japan, a man who was a member of the Japanese Olympic team. So lots of big things coming. Bill, it's just a terrific card coming up next week, like it is every week on Mid-South Wrestling. Thank you so much as our guest commentator, an articulate word picture. You just can't be beat, and I say that sincerely. You folks at home, as our loyal viewers and watchers, you can't be beat. You're humble hosts because you make me that way. I love you and appreciate you. Thank you for viewing. Until next week on the same channel, Boyd Pierce said goodbye, everybody, for Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. And there it is, the close of this episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Of course, at this time, we're going to close this show as well. So we're going to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter, at Great Brian Last. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter, at Super Podcast. You can also join the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Facebook, facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. And you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts for classic wrestling talk and wrestling humor, the 605 Super Podcast. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Stay in touch with me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I try to tweet out short clips of the shows that we are discussing here with various moments, such as the Stagger Lee debut and whatnot from a few weeks back. I posted, an ep I posted a clip of the Rat Pack celebrating 
uh, after their after their win a couple weeks ago as well. But yeah, give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. Come check out Booking the Territory as well. Just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. We're on every platform there is. Or just go to tinyurl.com slash pod and you can get all of our episodes. Uh, Brian, another fun episode. And I guess we're going to jump towards next week now and look towards what's going to happen. Will Stagger Lee be unmasked? Who knows? So stay tuned. But this was another fun one. Thanks for doing this one with me. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!